Hello, fellow travelers, and welcome to Adventures in Security, episode 39 for September 24th, 2006. I'm your host, Tom Olzak. You can find the information covered in our episodes at adventuresinsecurity.com on the podcast page. If you're interested in commenting on what you hear or about topics you'd like us to talk about, please send email to podcasts at adventuresinsecurity.com. In this episode, I'm going to cover two topics. In the first segment, I look at the importance of choosing the right source for audit artifacts. The growing threat of employee home PCs to the business enterprise is the topic of the second segment. Before we get started, I want to let everyone know that next week's episode will be dedicated to keystroke dynamics. This is a low-impact method of providing biometric verification for your network. You're not going to want to miss it. So let's get started with our first segment, and it's entitled, Who Should Provide Audit Artifacts? My senior security analyst came to me one morning last week quite concerned about a change in the way internal audit is obtaining samples for their IS security audits. In the past, all requests came through IS security. This was helpful since the audit team often misinterpreted the information provided. When we're actively involved in the process, we can help avoid failed audits based on erroneous conclusions. Now it seems that audit has decided to go directly to the business users and system analysts for this information. From a security perspective, I certainly prefer to provide the evidence for IS key control compliance. As a team responsible for implementing and managing these controls, we understand why certain control decisions were made, whether the auditor is properly interpreting the information provided, and management's intent when approving the policies, standards, and guidelines found in the security program. To be fair, I can also see audit's point of view. One way to ensure no spin on the samples provided for review is to ask the user. Another and possibly more important reason is the elimination of securities processes from the delivery cycle. Due to our workload, it might take two weeks to hand over to audit the requested reports or documents. I believe the value added when security provides both artifacts and interpretation far outweighs any perceived reduction in audit request cycle time. The time saved by going directly to the business user is far less than the time spent refuting audit results, and the outcome is typically the same. Further, Security has processes and tools in place to obtain audit artifacts while minimizing time and, by extension, cost associated with audit activities. As far as SPIN is concerned, I made it very clear to my analysts that they're bound by the CISSP Code of Ethics. One of the canons of that code is as follows. Act honorably, honestly, justly, responsibly, and legally. The bullets that further define that canon are as follows. First, tell the truth. Make all stakeholders aware of your actions on a timely basis. Second, observe all contracts and agreements, express or implied. Third, treat all members fairly. In resolving conflicts, consider public safety and duties to principals, individuals, and the profession in that order. The fourth bullet directly impacts what we're talking about here today. And that says, give prudent advice. Avoid raising unnecessary alarm or giving unwarranted comfort. Take care to be truthful, objective, cautious, and within your competence. And the final bullet, when resolving different laws in different jurisdictions, give preference to the laws of the jurisdiction in which you render your service. Willful failure to adhere to these principles results in some type of disciplinary action, up to and including termination of employment. Security professionals must be held to a high standard of conduct. This in and of itself should eliminate any perception of spin. So, in my opinion, audit requests should be directed to the security team to save time, money, and to eliminate confusion. And oh yes, 
The business users have better things to do than run after audit artifacts, like executing revenue-generating tasks. You might think that segment one was more of an editorial than uh, anything else, and you'd be right, but it's something about which I feel very strongly. All right, let's move on to segment two, which is entitled The Threat of Home PCs to Your Information Resources. In today's world, most employees have a PC at home. This presents a problem to security professionals when employees want to use these privately owned personal computers to access and process company information. Risks associated with home computer use range from accidental release of information to friends and relatives to data compromise due to improper disposal of storage media. In this episode, I'll take a look at various home computer use vulnerabilities and how to mitigate potential negative business impact resulting from exploitation of those vulnerabilities. So what are those vulnerabilities? Well, the first one is storing company information locally. There are two primary ways an employee might work at home. First, she might take information home on a CD or other removable media. Once home, files and documents are loaded into a computer PC's local hard drive. These files are often left on local storage well after they're no longer needed. Organizations have little or no leverage to compel a user, either current or former, to submit her home PC for examination to ensure no sensitive data resides there. The second work-at-home method is the connection of a home computer to a remote application. The application might reside on the employer's network or at a third-party hosting site. As long as the application doesn't store data on the local hard drive, this might be a good way to allow users to work at home assuming other security controls are in place, but it isn't perfect. Many applications store information temporarily in folders on local disk. For example, we recently discovered that one of our web apps temporarily writes a print image file to the hard drive when building and printing a report. As with file transfer issues, there's little hope of implementing, assessing, and managing security controls to protect this information once it's out of our control. Another vulnerability is system access issues. Shoulder surfing or casual screen browsing are common challenges when office users display sensitive information on their screens. However, risks associated with these challenges are mitigated through the use of screen or session timeouts, display covers, or physical location of systems. In other words, if the organization has control over which the configuration or placement of systems it's possible to enforce compliance with regulatory or company policy constraints. But what about a user working on a PC over which the IT staff has no control? It's not uncommon for home users to place their PCs in open areas with easy viewing access. Further, those pesky screen or session timeouts are typically signed or turned off. This provides easy access, either accidental or intentional, to sensitive information. For example, personal employee information, or ePHI. Another system access method is the lack of password policy enforcement on home PCs. Not only might passwords be weak, well-known and never changed, but home users might not even bother with password protection. These vulnerabilities provide easy access to the home system and to any data residing on it. To further complicate matters, files stored on home PCs are usually not protected by any type of file system security. Any logical access to the system means access to all stored data. I'm often told that unauthorized physical access isn't a problem since physical access to employee homes is controlled by common residential security controls such as door locks. 
That's fine, but homes like businesses are burglarized. The difference is that an organization responsible for data that might be located on stolen home systems has little or no control over enforcing security controls that might prevent the compromise of sensitive information. The next vulnerability is malware. Organizations expend a large number of resources to keep their networks clean of trojans, viruses, worms, spyware, and bot army recruiting software. End-user device malware defense usually takes the form of antivirus programs, personal firewall software, and a good patch management process. Organizations are able to build images that not only include the appropriate defensive tools, they can also include the necessary configurations to keep the tools up to date. The situation is usually far different when looking at home PCs. As with previous vulnerabilities, an employer's IT staff has little control over privately owned PCs. The typical home computer user is not as concerned with PC security as his employer. Lack of up-to-date anti-malware software is an open door to any internet critter looking for a home. The lack of a properly configured home firewall can expose the company network to a host of threat agents once an infected home system establishes a remote connection. But that's not all. Much of the malware running around the internet is designed to pull data from infected systems and send it to an attacker's server. This includes any sensitive business information stored on or passing through a compromised employee home computer. The last vulnerability we'll look at is the improper disposal of media. Organizations responsible for the protection of employee, patient, and customer personal information are required to properly dispose of magnetic, optical, and semiconductor storage media. This media should be rendered useless or the recording area sanitized before reuse or disposal. Most home users are unaware of the risks associated with improper media disposal. Many who are aware of the potential business impact of compromised media are either unwilling or unable to take the steps necessary to render data stored on repurposed or retired media irretrievable. So how do you protect your information assets against the threats posed by home PCs? Well, the vulnerabilities listed so far don't constitute a complete list, but they're probably the most common issues encountered by an organization that allows the use of home PCs to process company information. The following is a list of possible safeguards to mitigate the effects of the threats you might face if this is one of your security challenges. First, control removable storage. The proliferation of removable mobile storage devices is a threat in and of itself. Thumb drives, iPods, and CDs can store a large number of files or an entire database. If you don't want your data walking out of the building to be placed on home systems, develop policies and implement processes and technology to prevent the use of USB, Firewire, CDR media, or other types of storage. At least restrict the use of removable storage to those individuals who absolutely must have home access. This allows tracking of who actually might have company data at home. Next, test web-based applications. If you plan to use web applications to enable home worker access to information resources, be sure they don't write data to local storage. Unencrypted temporary or configuration files should be stored on a server in your data center, not on the hard drive next to home banking information and the kids' homework. And finally, enforce compliance. One of the best ways to ensure compliance with your security standards and guidelines is to force access to applications and data using technology that checks the safety of the home system first.
One such technology is SSL VPN. Using the right SSL VPN device, you can check a home PC for up-to-date antivirus and personal firewall software before allowing the device to connect to your network. In addition, you can confirm the settings of required system configurations. If the home PC doesn't meet your remote access device minimum standards, it doesn't get on your wire. With this type of solution, you can even shut off all removable storage use. Instead, home users will have to access data through layers of security that provide reasonable and appropriate levels of assurance. This approach also helps ensure that remote worker PCs are reasonably safe from malware or from becoming a source of infection for your network. There's still the problem of improper storage disposal. Unless you take steps to prevent users from loading data on their home PCs, this will always be an issue. Although you can write policies governing the proper disposition of company data on privately owned storage, without the means to enforce them, they're not much good. So in my opinion, the best approach is to never allow the use of home PCs to process business information. This should be coupled with tight technical and administrative restrictions on who can use removable storage and when. If your users must work at home, provide company-owned systems over which you have configuration and disposal control. And I'll bet that the cost of trying to provide and manage a safe home processing environment exceeds the cost of purchasing and managing a company PC. Well, that's it for this week. And remember, next week we're going to cover keystroke dynamics. It's an exciting and very interesting approach to biometric verification. And until then, be careful what you click.